Thanks for tuning in to the XL Legal Podcast, an interview-paced podcast for lawyers devoted to practice excellence and wellness tips. I'm your host, Shelley Appleby-Ostroff, legal talent development consultant, writing coach, and former practicing lawyer, and I'm so happy you're here. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Heidi K. Brown about how her journey of self-discovery as a quiet law student, litigator, and law professor inspired her to develop strategies to help introverted, shy, and socially anxious law students and lawyers thrive in a profession of loud voices. A prolific scholar and author, Heidi is currently a professor of law and director of the legal writing program at Brooklyn Law School, where she recently led a task force on law student and lawyer well-being. Welcome to the XL Legal Podcast, Heidi. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be talking to you about a super important topic, uh, I think a topic that's very overlooked in the legal profession, that of the introverted lawyer. And I want to start off by talking about a book that you have written by that name. What inspired you to write The Introverted Lawyer? I was a very quiet law student. I was never the student that had my hands in the air, waving to get attention in the classroom. I was always prepared for class, but the classroom experience made me a bit nervous, but I just kind of forced my way through it. I sort of listened to all those messages in law school or in life about fake it till you make it, just practice and prepare and everything will be fine. But that didn't really help me overcome or get through my hesitance to speak in class. And then I became a construction litigator. So suddenly I was thrust into this very intense, aggressive litigation dynamic. And again, I, I kept going into depositions or courtroom experiences feeling like I had to fake this aggressive, assertive, extroverted persona, but that really wasn't me. And I struggled a lot with anxiety around that, a lot of stress, a lot of fear. And I did that for 15 years. So it wasn't until I transitioned into teaching, I became a legal writing professor about 11 years ago. And I noticed that my most insightful legal writing students my most creative problem solvers, my deepest thinkers, my, my most enthusiastic students on the writing front were also those who were like me. They were a little bit afraid to speak in class. They were quiet. They liked to think before they spoke. And I thought, oh my gosh, somebody has to start researching this because I don't want my students to go through 15 years of the stress and anxiety that I went to. So that's really what led me to researching introversion and also shyness and social anxiety first to work on myself because I still even as a law professor grappled with those issues every time I stepped into the classroom so I wanted to understand myself better so then I could teach my students how they can really be themselves and instead of trying to fake a different personality type but also be able to amplify their voices authentically instead of trying to fake a different persona. So that's what led me to write the introverted lawyer book. Mm -hmm. Fascinating that um, you noticed that there were quite a few students who were uh, exhibiting some of the same qualities that you yourself uh, went through and exhibited when you were a law student. Yes, it really became readily apparent to me when my legal writing students were stepping into their first uh, mandatory oral argument assignment, I noticed that my students who had been so excited about all the writing assignments all year 
suddenly were almost paralyzed when they had to get up and speak in front of a panel of judges. And I had that exact same experience in law school and throughout my litigation career. So that's what really led me to notice that this phenomenon was not just me. I, I had always thought for all those decades, really, oh, there's just something wrong with me. I'm the only one. I, maybe I'm not cut out for this. I should have done something different, which is totally not true. Um, but those were the messages I was telling myself. So it was so eye-opening to see these amazing law students really grappling with the same issues. And I was excited to research the, these issues and then start putting together some sort of program or techniques that would help them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the things that you have been doing in uh, the law school? In regard to the oral argument program, I developed, when I was researching and writing my book, I put together these set of steps that really helped me with my public speaking anxiety, but also being an introverted, quiet person, learning how to amplify my own voice. I broke the, that process down into these steps. And so in anticipation of oral argument simulations in law schools, at the past two schools where I've taught in New York City, I've conducted optional workshops for any 1L first year law student who's nervous about the oral arguments, but also speaking in class, they can come to the workshops and really understand the mental and physical manifestations of public speaking anxiety, and then learn how we can reframe our mental soundtrack, but also how inextricably intertwined the physical things that happen to our bodies when we're nervous about speaking in class, or even just as an introvert, we feel very overstimulated. We talk about how to break down the, the mental steps and the physical steps so we can leap into a performance scenario in law school like an oral argument or even speaking in class or going to office hours for a scary uh, professor in a way that we feel more fortified. We can do it in our own authentic way, but amplifying our voices when we need to. Wow, that sounds like it would be so helpful to so many students. I wish every law school would introduce um, programs like that, because uh, from what I understand, <laughs> there are more introverted lawyers than there are extroverted lawyers. So it's not just a few people who may be experiencing um, some of these uh, things that you talked about, shyness, social anxiety, introversion. Um, and I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the difference between those three. You sort of alluded to those three, and in your book you refer to the shades of quiet. I just love that expression. Uh, what is the difference between introversion, shyness, and social anxiety? It's so important to learn in ourselves the differences among introversion and shyness and social anxiety because our society tends to lump those labels together. If someone leans toward the quiet side, we might call them introverted or shy or socially anxious or antisocial or aloof or a loner, but th those labels don't all apply in the same way. And, and some of them can have derogatory connotations when actually just being a naturally quiet, quiet person is a huge asset, in my opinion. So it was important for me individually to learn the difference between introversion and extroversion, but then also to realize that introversion is very different from the concepts of shyness and the more um, advanced version of social anxiety. So introversion and extroversion are just the ways that we as individuals, the differences in the ways that we as individuals process information, stimuli, question, questions coming at you and the way you answer them, 
being in a really stimulated environment. So introverts and extroverts process all of that very differently. Introverts like to process information and stimuli and questions internally, taking them very deeply into our brains and thinking about them. We like to vet and test our ideas and theories and solutions to problems or answers to questions. We like to do all that internally before we engage externally. Whereas extroverts do all that externally. So when a person asks a question to an extrovert, the extrovert can jump in pretty quickly and engage in the conversation because they're sort of testing their ideas aloud before they're fully formed, which is fine for extroverts, but introverts don't like to do that until we've thought it through. So unfortunately, in the classroom or the courtroom or other highly stimulating environments, introverts can be erroneously perceived as unprepared or not as engaged or um, even worse, not as intelligent, when in reality, we are very deeply thinking, processing, and again, like I said, vetting and testing the way we want to phrase things because we really want to get it right. The other difference between introversion and extroversion is the way we process and rekindle energy. So introverts can be very energetic and energized in a highly stimulated environment, but eventually we hit a wall of overstimulation and we get very depleted and we need to retreat to a quiet place, our home, our office, or the gym or on a quiet walk or something like that to rekindle energy, replenish. Whereas extroverts gain energy from highly stimulated environments. So would you, would you often see introversion along with shyness and social anxiety or do they tend to sort of be one-off, either you're introverted or you're shy or you have social anxiety, or do we tend to have a, a mix? No, so introversion is just, again, the way we process the energy, but the shyness and social anxiety is a completely different phenomenon. It's the way that we fear criticism or judgment. So a person can be a very confident introvert and not worry about judgment or fear, or a person can be introverted or extroverted and have an additional layer of this fear of judgment or criticism. I grappled with, with all of those. So shyness is the fear of judgment and criticism and social anxiety is a more advanced or extreme version of that, which can really hold us back in social and professional engagements. So it's important to understand if, if we're hesitant in, a, in an interaction, is it because we're introverted and we just like to think before we speak or do we have this added layer of a fear of judgment or criticism that might be sparked by messages we've internalized over the years? Right, right. So I'm, I'm thinking in law, where although we have more introverts than extroverts, the extroverts tend to be so much louder than the introverts. And how how can the quieter lawyers, whether they're introverted, uh, are shy, have social anxiety, or all, all three, how can they make themselves heard? What worked for me is embracing my introversion and understanding how it's an asset to the profession. So introverts or otherwise quiet individuals really do bring these gifts to the profession like active listening, creative problem solving, degrees of empathy. Not that extroverts don't bring empathy to the equation, but introverts really have a heightened sense. They're able to listen to clients very well. So for me, I, I had to embrace the assets that I bring to the equation and give myself permission to sort of reject the messages of be loud, you know, fake it till you make it, or just 
just do it, just jump into the fray. I had to allow myself to reject those messages, but then really work on a process that helps me amplify my authentic voice when I need to be heard. I know I don't have the luxury of just sitting quietly all the time, which is what I would love to do. I have to be able to step in and, and make myself heard. But to do that, I have to work on myself, not only substantively prepare, which I always do, and, and introverts always do that, but think about mentally and physically how to step into a performance scenario more amplified. And that entails really listening to our internal mental soundtrack that for some of us, like, like me, it can hold us back and reframing and re rebooting that mental soundtrack, but also physically being really self-aware of how individuals process stress and anxiety and fear or performance anxiety how our physical bodies react out of just habit or an automated instinctive reaction but how we can take more control over the way we carry ourselves physically that can help us calm our nerves and project our voices and and be more assertive in those moments when we need to Fascinating. And have you come up with um, some strategies for yourself that tend to work on a regular basis? Yes. And this is something that, frankly, I, I still have to work on every day, even have, having studied this as deeply as I have and I've written two books on it now, I still get nervous when I speak. Even now, speaking over Zoom, and, and participating in virtual communications, I still grapple with this. So it works for me on the mental side is, and this is the harder part that some law students and lawyers might be resistant to at first, but it's a huge step to really listen to the soundtrack, listen to the messages that we tell ourselves when we anticipate a performance scenario or when we're stepping into a performance scenario. A lot of it is really unpleasant kind of uh, unhelpful messages we may have heard in the past from well-meaning coaches or mentors and we either misinterpreted or interpreted it but have played over and over again for years about the fact that we we have quote-unquote weaknesses we don't mm -hmm. what we need to do is listen to those messages and realize they're they're outdated now they have nothing to do with our abilities our current abilities to perform as law students and lawyers or law professors today. So it, it, for me, I had to really listen to those messages and realize, oh, wow, this is, first of all, not true, but I keep carrying those messages into every performance and now I need to reframe those messages. So that's the first step and I, I can talk about my new messages in a second, but the, the physical side was huge for me. I realized that when I get nervous, uh, my body instinctively or automatically tries to get small. So I cave in my shoulders. I might cross my legs or cross my arms. But when I get nervous, my heart beats really fast and I mm. sweat and I write about in the book, I have this very robust blushing response. So everything is just going haywire. But what I realized is that if I stand like an athlete, I, I stand in a balanced stance or sit right, right now I'm sitting down, but I have both feet on the floor. I can shift my shoulders back. I can straighten my spine. That helps me breathe and it processes my, my blood and energy and oxygen flow in a productive way so then I can think. So I constantly have to layer my new mental soundtrack. I have to remind myself, oh wait, this is just my fear soundtrack kicking in again. But I tell myself, no, I'm prepared. I've done the work. I know what I'm talking about. 
I'm entitled to have a voice. I'm entitled to say this in my own voice, even if it shakes. And if I reach one person through my message, I've done my job. And then I layer on top of that the, the physical recalibration. And it really has made an enormous difference in my ability to, to walk through these performance moments feeling much stronger. They don't always go perfectly, but they, they go so much better than they ever did when I was trying to fake extroversion or fake confidence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's fascinating because it reminds me of, um, what's her name? Is it Amy Cuddy? Yeah. And the, yeah, well, I, what should she, the, the Wonder Woman stance? The power or, pose. The power, power pose, pose. Yeah. Her TED Talk is something that I have integrated into my routine all the time. In fact, even before I got on this call with you today, I was literally standing <laughs> before my computer in my Amy Cuddy power pose. And it, it's just part of my routine and it really helps. Fantastic, fantastic! I just I love that image, uh, and I love on her uh, on her TED talk too. How we see all the different images of the different poses, uh, yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking about uh, some of the other uh, things that you said that came out of uh, the Amy Cuddy talk as well. I think she came at the the idea of introversion from the perspective of fake it until you make it, and you says that that is really antithetical to the way things have helped you. Um, Maybe I'm misinterpreting what she said, but it seemed that she talked about, okay, well, we can, we can become it. If we keep repeating over and over again, um, putting ourselves in these situations, which seem challenging, but as time goes on, we can become more comfortable and eventually it just becomes a part of who we are. Yes, so you're right. Amy Cuddy's message is fake it till you become it. And, and again, I, I love her techniques and I, I engage them all the time. But for me, the, the faking it, I've just heard that message so many times throughout my life. And I really tried the faking it. But what I learned through my research on introversion is that introverts actually resist inauthenticity. We have a really hard time faking it. We, we, we resist small talk. It, it's really hard for us. I can't even really dress up in Halloween costumes <laughs> because it feels very uncomfortable to me to, to fake anything. And because I tried that for so, really decades and it, it had the reverse effect on me than I think it, it was intended or it didn't help me as much as it might help other people. So not trying to take anything away from Amy Cuddy's message because obviously it's changed my life but for me the the fake it till you make it or any sort of faking it message was really detrimental to my growth in, in this journey i needed to be as as authentic even as unpretty and unpleasant and and messy as as that made it necessary to grow i had to stop faking anything so when i write now I'm, I'm, it's almost, you know, an oversharing violation. I think they say I'm constantly trying to be as vulnerable and real as possible in my writing about these struggles because faking my way through it and pretending that everything was fine was really hazardous and dangerous to my mental health. And so now I, I try when I'm teaching to say that out loud to my students. I'm like, you do not need to fake like you know what you're talking about, at least not in my classroom. I want you to be vulnerable, be transparent, 
because through that you're going to become and the the best most authentic person and human and and law student and eventually lawyer which is then going to make you powerful so for me i understand why the fake it till you make it or fake it till you become it works for other folks but it just didn't work for me and it actually was was harmful to me in my growth so i i avoid it <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, and that's which people don't always accept by the way they, they don't want to hear sometimes um the authentic message but for me it's the only way the only path for me Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that for some people who have themselves tried this fake it till you make it um, sort of rule to live by and it hasn't worked for them, they would internalize it and think, well, there's something really wrong with me if this isn't working and everybody out there says this is what I need to do. So it's so refreshing to hear that um, you have come up with some strategies that are more helpful for you and as a result, I'm sure for so many other people as well. You mentioned about uh, sort of social uh, situations, and I'm thinking about lawyers in particular when they have to go out and do business development, networking. Um, Are there any strategies that have worked for you that can help in those situations, which, which can seem very unauthentic? Yes, networking can be challenging for introverts because those types of uh, events or uh, conventions or conferences can be overwhelming and overstimulating, but they are important and we do need to step into them occasionally or often to be able to meet new people. So for me, I like to volunteer for a role because if I have a particular role, even if it's as simple as handing out name tags or, or holding a clipboard or handing out flyers or manning a booth, I at least have a purpose for being there that that takes away that anxiety for me of having to walk up to a group of people I don't know or having to infiltrate a group of extroverts who are engaged in lively conversation without, without, a, a, without me having a purpose. So I like to volunteer for a role. I also, again, give myself permission to not stay for the whole time. I, I, hmm. I realize I'm very hyper aware of when I become drained. So I know I can go charging in there and be energetic and, and be social and make an impact if I limit my time period to an hour or, or whatever a reasonable period of time is and don't feel obligated to do the entire duration of the event. I find I'm much more effective that way. I also give myself permission to not have to meet every single person in the room. If I can make three to five contacts and then I know I thrive better in follow-up and introverts are good at, at writing. Sometimes we communicate better in writing than, than live. So I, I try to make a point of following up with, with an email or even I, I love handwritten notes. Um, I love actually finding something that a, a person I just met has, has written and, and maybe posted on LinkedIn or another forum. So I, I like to connect with people that way as well. So I think those, those techniques have helped me feel more authentic again in as a networker and also not be as drained by it and not judge myself as harshly I, I know i'm much more effective if i have some boundaries and i don't need to again mirror the behavior of the people that really love those types of events i can do well if i do it in my way mm-hmm. great ideas yeah i really love that uh taking a taking on a role I hadn't heard that before. I think that's such a, such a great idea. Uh, and I'm thinking too then, you know, as a former litigator, you're obviously 
obviously were in, in court a fair bit. How did you handle that? And did you, did you come up with some strategies um, that, that helped you? It was very stressful, to be honest. <laughs> Those were not my finest moments. And now that I have studied this so deeply after transitioning to be a law professor, I wish I could go back and redo all those depositions and courtroom appearances. In my practice, because our cases took a really long time to go from um, the time we filed the complaint to going to court, I was really in depositions a lot more than I was in court. And, and I was a lot younger and I didn't, I was not as self-aware. So again, I always felt that I had to mirror the behavior of of the really aggressive, confident, extroverted, mostly male attorneys across the table from me. If I, ha if I could go back and redo all those now, I actually would be pretty excited about it because knowing that I can go into a deposition or even a courtroom experience um, as an introvert, but pre substantively prepared as I always was, but now knowing these new techniques for amplifying my voice and, and really talking myself um, through the experience mentally, but the physical stance, if I could go back into those depositions and sit in my balanced athlete stance, I, I feel like I could have handled a lot of the uncertainty so much better. I, I have taken, I write in my books about how I never thought of myself as an athlete ever in my life, but, but through this, this process of studying introversion, I realized how important it is for me to exercise. And I've taken boxing lessons and interesting, empowering uh, physical fitness activities that now when I walk into a stressful scenario in my law professor role, just like I would have as a lawyer, I remind myself, okay, you didn't pass out or faint in a 60 minute boxing session earlier this week. You're not going to pass out or faint now. Just throw your shoulders back, stick to your outline, do your thing, and, and you're going to come out of this very strong. So if I could go back and redo <laughs> all those awful, stressful litigation scenarios, I would, I think I would be really excited about it to practice some of these mental and physical techniques that I write about in the book. Mm -hmm. And just hearing you talk about that, like I'm starting to do the same thing, you know, my shoulders back and it is, it's really empowering. Um, yeah, feet on the floor and you just feel very solid. Um, I'm thinking about, you mentioned about uh, the extroverted lawyers and having to deal with them a lot in litigation situations. I'm wondering about if you have any tips to help quiet lawyers manage sort of interpersonal, inter interpersonal interactions with extroverts and strong, strong personalities, whether they be lawyers within the same firm or clients, um, yeah, or adversarials, uh, adversaries in litigation. Yes, I think one important step is really first of all, get to know who you are personally as an introvert and why those assets you bring to the table are different from what the extroverts bring and why our assets are so important and really own that and embrace that. And then be transparent about it. Again, I wish I could go back to a lot of the, the law firm partners I work for and say to them, look, I know you want me to be loud, but I really thrive when I'm quiet, when I'm thinking. I need to sometimes close my door to edit this 30-page contract or, or brief. And that doesn't mean I'm antisocial. It doesn't mean I'm not a team player. This, me this is the way that I thrive. Of course, I was, I was scared back then, so I never knew how to articulate that. And instead, I internalized 
my, um, my needs as a weakness, which I think they did as well. So what the message I'd love to convey now is for quiet folks to embrace who you are, know that it's an asset, and then be able to respectfully articulate that to the different personalities that we work with. I also dealt with a lot of really strong personalities, not only in some of the firms where I worked, but, but my opposing counsel. And again, I, I took it as a weakness that I was afraid of them or intimidated by them. And, and now I wish I could go back. I, ha I have the strength now. I mean, I'm not saying it's always perfect. I still deal with some very strong personalities, even in the law school environment. And it does get to me. And I'm not always great in the moment standing up for myself, but what I've, what I've learned now is that it's okay to pause and, and be quiet and not engage when someone is, is saying some unpleasant things to you, but we can kind of throw our shoulders back again and, and listen and not mirror that behavior. We can think about it and then empower ourselves later and, and then articulate why maybe that behavior, those, those words being spoken were not appropriate or not the way to get us to do our best work or to thrive. So again, it's about knowing who we are, appreciating the assets we bring to the profession, being authentic, being transparent about how we best thrive as law students, lawyers, or law professors, and then really being proud of who we are and standing up for ourselves and modeling civility and respect and strength. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it is possible for quiet individuals to have a fulfilling legal career. It seems antithetical, you know, that uh, someone who prefers quiet, whether it's because of introversion, uh, shyness, social anxiety, or combination, should stay away from law and think about some other career. It absolutely is a career that quiet individuals can really enjoy and, and again, to use the word thrive and, and flourish. So many times throughout my career, I heard messages like, well, you know, if, if this makes you nervous, you should have chosen something else or you should have maybe chosen a different type of law than litigation. And, and it makes me sad thinking about how I heard those messages so many times in the past because I don't want any quiet lawyers or law students now to feel that way. You are cut out for this profession. In fact, so many important aspects or activities of our profession, like thinking, writing, researching, reading, listening to other people requires quietude. So we really are well poised to be leaders in, in our profession. Our profession needs quiet thinkers. And so I, I don't want anyone to feel like because you're quiet, you're not cut out for the law or you have to choose a particular type of law that seems like it wouldn't require a lot of on your feet performance. We can do all of that and we can do it better because we can do it better than we think we can because we, we enjoy that quiet time and can really sit with the complicated complex aspects of the law. You know, the law substantively and procedurally is incredibly complicated and we can't just barrel into every scenario without pausing and thinking and listening and processing which obviously, in my opinion, quiet people are very well positioned to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's so reassuring. Uh, yeah, and already you have sort of seen so many different aspects of uh, career in law. What, what's next for you? 
I love to write. So I'm, I'm realizing, you know, I'm, I'm happiest when I'm, when I'm writing and I'm teaching. So I've, I've been working on uh, another possible book project where I'm really digging a little more deeply into the, the physical aspects that I just mentioned. I'm, I'm really drawn to how athletes and other stage performers like musicians or dancers, how do they deal with, with fear and anxiety and, and nervousness how to and mistake making like how do they recover from situations like like lawyers face when maybe we do stumble or we for me i used you know i turned red or i still turn red a lot in performance scenarios but i'm curious about how coaches help athletes work through a lot of mental and emotional issues because i think a lot of those um, coaching techniques for athletes and musicians and dancers and other performers might be analogous to how we can grow as lawyers. So the idea is still percolating. It hasn't really solidified yet, but I think my next writing project at least will be um, moving in that direction. And of course, I, I love teaching law. I love my law students, so I will continue to do that. And uh, that's for now, that's, that's the plan. <laughs> Super exciting. Uh, I'm just wondering if uh, there's a place where listeners can go to find out more about the work that you've been doing and, and are going to be doing. Yes, I have a website. Um, it's theintrovertedlawyer.com. I also post articles and things. I've, I've been writing some throughout the, the pandemic. I've been each, each week writing a, a short piece, really, really to process my own mental and emotional journey through this. Um, I've been writing those on Medium and posting them on LinkedIn, but I'm also reachable on Twitter at Introvert Lawyer. And I like, I like Instagram. I'm an introverted lawyer there on Instagram. I love to hear from readers and people who are inter interested in thinking about introversion and quietude, shyness and social anxiety and all the shades of quiet as, as we talked about. I love hearing from people who are kind of either starting this journey or have had similar experiences because we can definitely help each other. Absolutely. And I think that's just, again, so reassuring because I think that um, many lawyers or those who are interested in becoming part of a legal profession might shy away from uh, pursuing what for them could be a really fulfilling career because of some of the uh, issues that you've identified that come along with introversion, shyness, and social anxiety. So that's just a wonderful, uh, wonderful to know that you're available and, and so open um, for people to, to reach out to you. So Heidi, thank you so much for sharing um, with us. And is there any sort of one, anything else that you'd like to add that um, we haven't talked about? I think absolutely the message here is we need to be ourselves. We, we are impactful as we are, but the more we talk about this as a community, the more we can help each other evolve into our most powerful selves. And our profession does have a habit of kind of fostering bravado and, and not showing weakness or perceived weakness, but I like to take the opposite approach. I think the more we talk about these issues, the more we share and lift each other up, the, the healthier our profession is going to be, and, and, and we will all lead more healthy, fulfilling, happier lives in the legal profession. So I really appreciate you creating this opportunity to talk about these, these topics, and the more we connect in this way, I think the better off the profession and, and our society will end up being. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you to, for bringing this 
topic that I think a lot of people are quite reticent to discuss uh, out in the open. And I know I have learned so much about myself from reading uh, The Introverted Lawyer and even more from talking to, to, talking to you today. So thank you, Heidi. And I wish you all the best. And I look forward to your next, uh, your next writing project. Sounds super exciting. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me today on the XL Legal Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I'm always looking for great topic and guest ideas. So if you have any suggestions for future episodes, I'd love to hear from you at xllegal.com. That's E-X-E-L-L-E-G-A-L.com.